Have you ever gone to small claims court? Have you lived or do you live in a strata complex? Have you ever had a dispute and tried to go through the court system? The Civil Resolution Tribunal is about to begin its intake on July 13th. We will get the inside on that with our guest, Shannon Salter. She's the chair of the Civil Resolution Tribunal, and she'll walk us through that. That's coming up. John, what are the other stories that we're talking about on Vancouver Real Estate Today? Well, Ian, we found out this week that nearly $918,000 will buy you the average Greater Vancouver home. The average price to buy a single-family detached home in West Vancouver, $3.5 million. Uh, that's up 36% from a year ago. New numbers for June were released this week by the Real Estate Board of Greater Vancouver. So this was the highest-selling June on record for residential properties with the benchmark price for a Greater Vancouver home, as I mentioned, uh, just uh, under $918,000. That's up 32% from last year for the month of June. The largest increase came... In Richmond, that's where the one-year increase in the benchmark price of a single-family detached home is now $1.7 million. That's up nearly 50% from last year. Prices are also up at around 50% increases year-over-year year for detached homes in Tawasson, around 40% if you're in North Vancouver, Burnaby North, and also Coquitlam. 4,400 homes sold in June. The number of listings actually dropped 6% from May, but increased slightly from last June. In the Fraser Valley, the benchmark average price for a single-family detached home in the month of June was $861,600. That's up 41% year-over-year. And June saw a record-setting number of home sales for the month historically, but it did actually continue to ease off a bit from a busy May and uh, March in North Delta, Surrey, White Rock, Langley, Abbotsford, and also in Mission. The Fraser Valley Real Estate Board, Ian, telling me that uh, they saw an 18% increase in sales of all property types this June compared to June of last year. Valley's going to be the place to watch. Yeah. I think Vancouver's... As it uh, spreads out. I think it's it's really going to... That will be the place. If you can get there now, do it. Yeah. And what about luxury real estate sales in Vancouver? Well, they're continuing to soar. We've seen the number of sales pretty much double in most categories, especially in homes that are $4 million and over. We've seen the strongest increases. Condominiums sold over $4 million and over in comparison to last year is up 191%. According to a new report by Sotheby's International Realty, record prices and sales will continue into the fall thanks to low supply, high demand, especially from mainland China, low mortgage rates and high consumer confidence, also throwing uh, what happened in uh, Europe and the Brexit vote as well. Uh, spokesperson Polly Cordell, uh, Cordwell rather says in the first half of this year, more than 3,000 homes, including condos and single-family homes, sold for over a million dollars. That's an increase of 26% to the same time last year. Just with the densification and everything that's happening in Vancouver, the increase in population over time, we're expecting to see more and more larger condos and, and luxury condos to kind of meet that need. And in the $4 million plus category, sales more than doubled compared to last year. Well, in a very highly anticipated and highly scrutinized announcement this week, as you probably know, Ian, Finance Minister Mike DeYoung broke down the data the government has collected on housing and foreign ownership. It's the very first such data the government has shared, and it looks at 10,000 transactions. Across the province, about 3% or 337 uh, transactions uh, involved 
foreign nationals. So how about Canadians? The, uh, the number of transactions involving Canadian citizens uh, or permanent residents, uh, 9,811 or 97%. Again, this is the first bit of data gathered by the province on housing and foreign ownership. It uh, comes at a time when many are wondering if big money coming in from China is pricing local residents out of the housing market. And Young also defended the method by which the data is actually collected with buyers ticking a box to report themselves as foreign nationals. We have made a prerequisite to purchasing real estate in British Columbia, the disclosure of your uh, citizenship if you are not a Canadian or a permanent resident in this country. I'm not sure how much more direct uh, you can be. Three weeks of data collected in June was enough for Finance Minister DeYoung to make public what many had long suspected, that people from around the world are buying into B.C.'s housing market. Uh, we know that as a, as a fact uh, now and are beginning to be able to quantify uh, that. We know that there is a, uh, uh, at the head of that uh, pack, the, the largest uh, group, certainly for the period that we studied, um, was, uh, was from China. We know that for a, uh, for a fact. The B.C. NDP leader says the numbers for how much foreign investment there is in B.C. housing is actually higher than what the government released this week. Uh, Those figures showing 3% across the province, 5% in Metro Vancouver. John Horgan also slammed the government for uh, talking up data that's only been collected over three weeks. It took him almost longer to tell us about it today in his press conference than it did to collect it. British Columbians have known there's a crisis in, in Metro Vancouver for at least the past two years. It doesn't take a box on a form to figure that out. NDP's housing critic David Eby says the numbers should be taken from the income tax system for a more accurate figure. Well, meanwhile, Vancouver realtor Aaron Jasper is asked if he feels the numbers are a true snapshot of what's really happening here. Well, you know, that's a good question. I mean, I think, you know, in using real estate terms, uh, to look at one sale and the sale price of a particular home and say, well, that's a trend, uh, we, you know, it could be an anomaly. And so, Uh, And likewise with data, I think we do need to look at the data over a longer period of time. Jasper says, Ian, that the the data collection should have started months ago, although he is uh, saying it's better late than never. You know, it's it's good and we're getting the data and we're going to get it on a monthly basis. So, you know, I I commend the government for coming around to that. But again, I I really, I worry that it's, it's too little too late in terms of us now at some point in the next few months, uh, starting to look at some, some, some strategies to address this crisis. He's calling the housing situation, saying that it's uh, put Metro Vancouver on the verge of what he says uh, is a social and economic crisis. Well, a new report from the Fraser Institute says overregulation is a big part of the blame for the housing affordability crisis. The right-leaning Institute's senior director for natural resources studies, Kenneth Green, says the study looked at five regulatory elements. It's one, the timeline it takes to get approval for a building permit, the timeline uncertainty around that, that number, the impact of council and community groups on getting approvals for new builds, uh, the cost and fees associated with obtaining a building permit, and the prevalence of rezoning. Green says the issue of addressing supply and demand need to uh, get the same amount of media and political attention that shadow flipping and foreign investment have uh, been getting. And also coming up, Ian will talk about uh, unaffordability issues uh, and renting here in Metro Vancouver. We're also going to talk about something me and you have talked about a lot on this program, home inspections and the fact that people are skipping them. And uh, now the uh, Home Inspectors Association came out this week with some recommendations on how to uh, help consumers and protect them. We'll talk about uh, a Richmond woman and her struggles with um, 
uh, her manager for her uh, marina. She has a, a float home and she rents it out on Airbnb. And we'll also talk about affordable housing, just some of the other stories that uh, made the headlines this week. John, I would be really interested to know if you've been affected by what's happening in the real estate market. So why don't we open up the phone? And if you've been affected in any way, whether you're a buyer, a seller, a renter, if you live somewhere that has a roof over your head, and you feel that you've been affected by what's happening in the market, in light of the news of of what's happened this past week, I, I have some issues with what the government has done. I'm glad that they're doing something. I think we're sort of starting to move in the right direction. I said last week that I think the horse has already left the barn. We can't turn back time. But what are they going to do based on that data? Nothing. Because nothing can be done with that. It, it, when it comes to, I don't know if you remember in high school, did you take probability and statistics? No. Okay. <laughs> the, it's the old saying, uh, the numbers don't lie, but the figures do. And I'm not saying anybody's lying here because I haven't, I, it's all way above me. So really what I want to do is I want to bring it down to anybody who's listening right now who feels that they've been affected by the current real estate situation. Now's your opportunity to air it. 604-280-9898, 604-280-9898, or star 9898, and we'll give you that opportunity when we come back on Vancouver Real Estate Today from News Talk 980 CKNW. Shannon Salter is the chair of the Civil Resolution Tribunal. Uh, this is a, a new thing that's coming down for people, particularly that live in strata situations, and she'll be joining us in about 10 minutes from right now. John, I asked uh, anybody who wanted to have an opportunity to air their feeling on what's happening with real estate. I, w- I wanted to, to not to bring it down, but find the common denominator, because I wonder often, we talk so much about what happens in real estate Does it affect everybody? If you're living in a house and you have, or in a townhouse or in a condominium, and if you have no intention of selling, you're just living there and getting by day by day, how much does it affect you? So uh, that opportunity is now 604-280-9898 or star 9898 if you're on your mobile phone. Hello, Randy. How are you doing? Good. Yourself? Excellent. Thank you. What's your story? Well, I put my house up for sale uh, in January. I sold it in three hours. Uh, once it hit the MLS, uh, no conditions, sight unseen. Hmm. They didn't get in the front door until the papers were signed. Wow. I then found out the hard way that buying is a whole lot easier <laughs> than selling. And uh, my wife and I proceeded to look for the next uh, month and a half uh, for a house with another 25 or 30 people coming up behind you in the open houses and that sort of thing. Um, we moved out to Langley from New West. Uh, we got really lucky. Uh, I think I bought well under and before anybody got into it. But that was, you know, that doesn't happen that often from what I'm understanding on the news. Um, the other side of it is because of the conditions, uh, on, on my conditions when I bought, uh, it had a uh, occupied suite that they claimed uh, was legal. They showed me the rental papers and that sort of thing for the last couple of years. Um, We bought the place, and within two weeks of taking over, the city contacted us and said, you have an illegal suite, Mm. and you have to spend a whole bunch of money to upgrade it, uh, that sort of thing. Um, So there's there's a lot of different sides to this buying, selling, uh, renting the whole nine yards. That, that people don't see. But the one, I mean, the downside is if you're buying, it, it really is bad. If you're selling, it's just excellent. If you 
you know, the, the older generation of which I am, I mean, we've, we've basically got gold mines. Uh, if you can afford to basically move east, <laughs> uh, moving west isn't an option, really. Um, but for, for the younger generation, and I don't think any of the, the, the things the governments are attempting to do with the taxes or the, the living in the house for, you know, so, so, many, uh, so much uh, time a year or anything like that is going to work. Um, any, and I know a lot of offshore buyers, and the difference is that what we think is a fair amount of money or a lot of money here is just a, a drop in the bucket for most of them coming into Canada. They have so much money to invest, they're trying to get out, well, mainland China especially, um, that any taxes they put on is just the cost of doing business. Randy, I'm going to, I'm going to stop you just for a second, and I know John wants to ask you a question, but yeah. I have to make the point, uh, sorry to butt in here, but yeah. the thing is, is that a lot of the foreign money that's coming here, it's not about a place to live. It's simply a place to park their money, to put it in a safe place, uh, and, and it's done legally, and it's all above board. They're just looking for a place to park their money. They're not it, because Vancouver, this area, Canada is one of the safer places in the world to do that. I just wanted to make that point, John. You wanted to ask. I, I just I was curious if um, we had uh, someone tell us earlier this week there was an estimated thirty thousand homes sold here in the last year without an inspection. Curious if you if you had one done uh, when you bought. I, yes, I, it was it was not done by an actual inspector. I, I had a very close friend of mine that owns a heating and uh, heating business and plumbing business, and has has sort of been involved with it back east. And and we went through the house. Um, my house is only ten years old, so the chances of uh, I took well, obviously I took the chance like a lot of people are doing that that uh, you know took a quick inspection. You couldn't see anything wrong within the ten years. You're probably going to be okay. And I understand that's not the case a lot of a lot of the areas. Um, but I, I was willing to take a gamble on a ten year old house. The house I sold was built in 1929. Wow! And, and it was bought. Large, it was purchased without uh, any conditions. Correct. Zero conditions. Yeah. Now on the on the disclosure in three hours. In three hours, I had three offers, turned them all down, and they all came back within the next three hours, and then we picked one, and, and away we went. So the real estate market's good for some and, and difficult for others, and for you, it worked out well, but then the place you bought into, you, you came into a bit of trouble with your, your rental suite, but um, how is that situation now? Well, we're in the process of finding out whether it's worthwhile to take any kind of legal action. Um, against them now we didn't buy the place because of the suite it was just sort of well okay it's got the suite we can live with it it's not going to be there forever um uh, you know and and so that wasn't a big deal but uh it was it was more the fact of and actually and i guess you're dealing with all types of people it was within two weeks of taking ownership where or the city actually had an inkling that this was an illegal suite because the people um put in the uh, application for proper permit uh, two years in advance, never acted upon it, and then within two weeks, I get nailed. And, and you know, I, I know that's life. But <laughs> well, the, the paperwork came across somebody's desk as a result Absolutely. of this sale, and that's why. I'm, I'm curious to know whether that suite... Uh, was that part of the plan for you and your family that you were you needed that you know sweet income to, to make it work for you? Absolutely not. If, if anything, it was a, it was a small detriment um, uh, type thing. But uh, like everybody else, you, if, if you want to get a house, I mean, when you start looking over your shoulder, we went to well, I put in two thousand kilometers in the Langley area, probably in about a week, just looking for places that were you know signs up for sale today that are not tomorrow and that sort of thing. And and so that was okay. I mean, that's what you got to do. But 
you walk into a house, an open house, and there's 20 or 30 people, you can't you can't put a condition on it. You put a condition on it, the owners are going to laugh at you and basically put big you know stroke right through your name. Got to leave it there, Randy. Sorry to cut you off, but no problem. You, ha- you had a good run at it, and we wish you all the best in your new home. Uh, really appreciate you joining us, and I think that that's a typical story. Uh, perhaps details vary from from person to person, family to family, but uh, definitely if you're on the selling side and you've got where to go, you got and you've got equity, you you can come out of it doing quite well. Coming up next, we're going to talk about the Civil Resolution Tribunal. The chair, Shannon Salter, is our guest in studio next on Vancouver Real Estate Today from News Talk 980 CKNW. What seems like a breakthrough for anyone who has had the drudgery of trying to resolve a small claims or strata property dispute, the Civil Resolution Tribunal is about to open 24 hours, seven days a week, and what holds out a lot of promise in the way we settle disagreement between opposing sides. Shannon Salter is the chair of the Civil Resolution Tribunal. She is also an adjunct professor of administrative law at UBC Faculty of Law, commissioner on the Financial Institutions Commission, and vice president of the BC Council of Administrative Tribunals. She earned her BA in law degree at UBC and her master's of law at University of Toronto. Is that, is that correct? You've got that right. We're so happy to have you here. Welcome. Thank you very much, Ian. I'm happy to be here, too. Uh, your resume is long and impressive. Uh, is it fair to say that you're part law student, part law professional? <laughs> well, I haven't been a student for many years, but I have sat on a number of administrative tribunals. I practice as a, as a litigator in a downtown firm, and as you mentioned, I do teach administrative law and legal ethics at the law school. So I have a good footing in administrative tribunals, which, of course, is very helpful since we're setting up Canada's first online tribunal. Sure. So the reason I'm asking this, are we witnessing or are we a party to what is a shift or some fundamental change to digital in the way we do law? I hope so. And the reason I hope so is that on uh, average, access to online technology is much, much greater than access to legal services, regardless of where you are. So one of the first things that we did when we started this project is ask people, how are you using the Internet in BC? And what we found was that 92% of British Columbians are online every day. People are overwhelmingly comfortable with things like online banking, texting, all the kinds of basic Internet use that you'll need to use a CRT. And so that was a pretty good validator. And what's interesting, too, is that 69% of people in BC over the age of 74 are also online every day. Hmm. Tell my mom that, will you? <laughs> <laughs> my mom's on Facebook. I know that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. She hasn't friended me yet. Is there a reason for that? <laughs> Did I offend yeah, her some way? So uh, what is, we have talked about it on the show before, but and I keep wanting to call it the, the revolution, but it's the, the Civil Resolution Tribunal, and it is a bit of a revolution, uh, the CRT as you refer to it. Um, what is it and why? Is, because we've been talking about it for a while. Why is it taking so long to launch? Well, it is novel. And so not only is it the first of its kind in Canada, but as far as we know, it's the first of its kind in the world. So almost weekly, I get inquiries from other jurisdictions that are interested in doing something like this and are wondering how to go about it. So we're really trailblazers here in British Columbia on this stuff. But we're also seizing the opportunity to do this very differently. We're trying to co-design it with the public, and I I say that a lot because I mean it. We have an opportunity, because of this blank slate, to build this around the public, to do it completely differently from the way that the justice system works now. 
and that takes a bit more time. It takes a lot of consultation, a lot of user testing, a lot of bringing people on board with us. And so we've built very strong relationships with community advocates, with the legal profession, most importantly with the public and the strata stakeholders who will be using this first. One of the things that I noticed on the website, which uh, I'll tell is uh, is civilresolutionbc.ca, and it's, it's, what stands out to me is that you want people's input and that you keep talking about on the website that if you keep giving us feedback, then we can, we can adjust accordingly to make it work for everybody. Exactly. And that's not traditionally the way our justice system has developed. It's mainly developed by legal actors, really, who are designing it because that's what works for legal actors. But uh, that's not what the public expects these days, I think, in particular. And so we have this opportunity to really bring the justice system to the public, to build it around their lives and the realities of their lives. People have jobs. They have families, community obligations. They may not live in an urban center. And using technology as a tool, we can bring uh, expertise and legal services to people and allow them to engage with it whenever it's convenient for them. Can you explain how easy this will be for, for the, the average Joe who has an issue uh, in their strata or, or in their uh, where they live? Can you explain how easy this system will be to use once it's – I know you have a soft launch this week, I believe. Once it's up and running yeah. to the way you foresee it in your mind, can you ex- just explain how easy it is, I guess, or, or sure. how it will be used? Yeah, so, so imagine you're a strata owner mm. and you have an issue with your strata corporation and you've taken some steps to try and figure it out. Um, but you're also not sure what your legal rights are. You would start by going online and using a free public legal education tool we call the Solution Explorer. And that's free for everyone. You don't need a CRT claim. Uh, It doesn't store any personal information. So you can go in. uh, The system will ask you some questions, you know, what's your problem, give you some tailored answers. And through that process, you'll understand, you know, do I really have a strong issue here? Um, What can I do to resolve it myself so I don't actually need to go to a court or a tribunal? And uh, hopefully at the end of that process, you'll have tools like a letter that we'll give you that's already pre-filled out that you can use to try and resolve the dispute yourself by sending it to your strata council. If that doesn't work, you can seamlessly start to file an online claim. And at that point, uh, you pay a fee. And you can do that uh, from the comfort of your home. So you can use your smartphone, your tablet, your computer. You don't need to leave your home, don't need to leave your office. You can do it in the evening after your workday is done and your kids are in bed. It's really about building it around people's lives. We've got to take a break. We're going to talk more about this. We're going to get, I want to get more into this Solution Explorer and the software that was developed to make this work. Shannon Salter is the chair of the Civil Resolution Tribunal. This is uh, revolutionary, and I really do think that it is, and we'll get into how it works more and uh, talk about it. And if you want to join us, our phone is always open to you. If you have any questions, 604-280-9898. Vancouver Real Estate Today on News Talk 980 CKNW. Shannon Salter is with us. Oh, Oh, I do that every time. I'm sorry, John. I it's the pause. Your your mom was listening, and now she's probably upset. She that just I, defriended you on yeah, Facebook. Okay, uh, Shannon Salter is the chair of the Civil Resolution Tribunal. We do have some people that want to talk to you about this. Uh, one of the things that I'm really interested in is the software. Can we talk a little bit about the Solution Explorer? Uh, this is a software that is really at the core of what you're doing. Yeah, so it comes from the idea that if you have a problem, a legal problem, it's not so helpful to Google generally strata problems or strata rental problems because what you're going to get is likely 50 pages of strata law. 
And what you want is probably tailored information about your strata problem. So new research is showing that the best way to give people that information is asking them questions and using the opportunity to give them tailored bits of information in plain language. So, for example, the Strata Property Act has 322 sections, an average of two subsections per section, plus the regs, <laughs> plus the bylaws, and so overall about 1,000 provisions. What we hope to do with the Solution Explorer is in about four or five plain language questions get you to the right piece of information. So do you see a lot of the same complaints and just, or same issues, I guess, be, and, and that's why you can do that? Yes, although strata is very complicated mm-hmm. for the reason I just mentioned, but uh, there are some pretty common complaints, mm-hmm. uh, issues to do with bylaw fines, rentals, the use of common property, communal repairs, contingency, um, or sorry, uh, uh, contingency funds. So all of those are pretty common. And what's interesting about the technology is it lets us measure what are the most popular items. Mm-hmm. So we're already seeing through our testing certain certain kinds of information, certain kinds of questions are very, very popular. What's the most popular that you've seen so far? Are are you at that stage where you can... We have some preliminary information. Uh, Depreciation reports are actually surprisingly common in terms of people looking for information, but often it's things like, uh, my strata corporation won't comply with the act, or an owner won't comply with the act. So pretty broad, and Mm -hmm. that can include all kinds of stuff. Yeah, my my, uh, gardener uses a leaf blower, and I don't like it. No, that's probably not in there. Uh, is this a, is this an expensive proposition for from from your side to set up, or is this uh, not? Is it pretty streamlined? As far as government technology projects go, it's it's very modest. Uh, so the overall cost uh, for the entire technology platform, not just the solution explorer, but the case management software as well, is ten million dollars. But that is going to be shared over a number of tribunals. So there's 27 tribunals in BC. The idea is to make all of them more accessible, more user-friendly, and to share this technology among them. Where does the funding come from? The funding comes from the Ministry of Justice, so the provincial government, and the Ministry of Justice has been a very strong supporter of this project. Do you, do you see other uh, provinces? Are you hearing from other provinces that are interested in this or other areas in, in the world even? Because Ab- you said it was one of the first, or if not the first. It is the first that we know of in its kind. And so, uh, for instance, we've been um, approached by various states in Australia. Uh, the United Kingdom uh, has decided to launch an online court. And as part of their fact-finding mission, Lord Justice Briggs, who is heading up that project in England, came over to BC, met with the CRT, met with the Ministry of Justice to find out how we're doing it, because they've identified in a number of reports that the CRT is a world leader in this area. What will it cost our people here to access this? Uh, Is it something... For example, if you go to small claims court, you know that you're in for a certain amount of money. You might have to employ a lawyer. This is going to, in large part, if you can go through the first stages of this, uh, you you won't need a lawyer probably. So I'm guessing that this is going to be a lot less expensive. That's our aim. So the front part of the CRT, the Solution Explorer, is absolutely free. And there's lots of tools there to go off and resolve your problem yourself, hopefully. We'll give you pre-written template letters you can use. Uh, if you can't do resolve your dispute that way, you'll be able to start a claim. And the fees are quite modest in justice system terms. So right. it's $125 to file an online application. Uh, if your claim later has to go to a tribunal member to be resolved, it can't be resolved in the facilitation or mediation stage, you'll pay an additional fee. So we did a lot of user surveys before we set our fees, and there was a strong support for, A, having fees, because it deters frivolous claims. Absolutely. 
and also making those modest and covering some of the cost. There's also strong support for having a menu of fees, so paying an amount as you use a service or take a step instead of paying a total amount right off the bat. I should also say there's fee waivers. So if somebody is low income on a fixed income, they can very easily online fill out a fee waiver, and if they qualify, they won't have to pay anything. We had a call from a senior who wanted to know uh, what can she do if she is not online? Right. So initially in our early testing, which, as you mentioned, will begin this week, uh, people will have to use the process online. So that early testing is to, consistent with everything we've done in the development of this project, get input from real users. So uh, during that phase, we'll will have to use the online system. Later on, there'll be paper forms as well, though, for people who can't access it. I should say, though, people are free to get a trusted friend or family member to help them fill out the online form. It's very simple to use. We've done a lot of user testing to make sure everything's at kind of a grade six level. So uh, people are free to get assistance from, you know, their son or daughter in the evening if that's helpful to them. Now, when I look at the, the people that are behind you or beside you, however you want to put that, uh, you've got a pretty impressive uh, group of people that are that are working with you on this. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. This is a truly incredible interdisciplinary team. So the CRT uh, team itself is comprised of our tribunal members, who we hope to be putting to work very soon. Uh, they are some of the leading strata lawyers in the province, as well as some of the leading civil litigators in the province. Uh, they're they're truly uh, extraordinary. Our staff is incredibly hardworking, and I can tell you that they have been working day and night for the last uh, months and and weeks to make sure that this is ready for the public. Um, They're incredibly passionate about it. They're very access-to-justice-minded, just just as I am, and I'm so proud of the work they're doing. We also have a lot of volunteers, so people like Tony Giaventu has volunteered his time and expertise. The Solution Explorer isn't um, artificial intelligence. It depends on (laughs) real-life experts uh, like Tony who have volunteered their knowledge, and and we've we've captured that in the system. And just so we know, uh, Tony Giaventu is the executive director of the Condominium Homeowners Association. We have to take a break, but I, I did want to ask you about strata law in general. Uh, perhaps a short answer. Uh, are we okay? Do we need to reform the law itself? I mean, this is this is primarily process. Do we need to look at the, the strata act and tweak it a little bit, or is, will, will one come after the other? I Because our, our mandate is to resolve disputes, it's not to... Uh, concern ourselves with whether the legislation should change. That said, we are working closely with the Ministry of Housing, and they've asked us to keep an eye on the kinds of um, confusion or inconsistencies that might arise as we start to resolve these disputes. And so we'll be in communication with them, and they'll make the assessment about whether any legislative changes need to happen. Okay. Uh, We'll take a break, and we'll come back more with Shannon Salter, Chair of the Civil Resolution Tribunal. Uh, This is something that's new, but I think is really going to make a big difference. If you've ever tried to go through the courts to deal with a strata matter, uh, this is going to change your life and in your idea of how to access law. So stay with us. Vancouver Real Estate Today on News Talk 980 CKNW. Shannon Salter is the chair of the Civil Resolution Tribunal. Uh, the intake is July 13th, civilresolutionbc.ca, civilresolutionbc.ca. Don't make the mistake that I have been making 
and call it a revolution, although it is kind of revolutionary. Uh, what can people expect in the in the early days? Uh, I, I would imagine that with the challenge of a huge intake, as you're expecting, that um, there will be a, there will be some bumps in the road. Absolutely, and we're candid about that. I think. This is uh, the aim of this is to let us test our processes to make sure that we're building the technology in a way that will really work for people instead of building it the way we think it should work right. and then having it not work. So we're engaging the public in that activity through real strata disputes. So we'll start to take those this week. But I do want to manage people's expectation. Uh, we're not fully staffed yet. We're operating on a kind of skeletal team and the technology is not fully built. So there are some limitations. Um, People shouldn't expect that we're going to be able to resolve their dispute right away. We know that there's going to be a big backlog when we open because there's a lot of pent-up demand mm-hmm. and there's been nowhere to go really that's viable to resolve these disputes for a long time. Right. Was the software developed locally or did you go outside of this area? So what what the Ministry of Justice team did, uh, and this was a couple of years ago, was to look at what was available off the shelf. Right. And so they've built it on an off-the-shelf solution called Salesforce, and uh, that has allowed us to build as little custom technology as we need to, which is a good practice when you're building technology. Nice. Find out what exists already. Yeah. And, uh, and so those two components of the technology, the Solution Explorer and the Case Management and Dispute Resolution System, those are what we're rigorously testing with the public at every stage. This early intake is going to let us test our intake system. Just uh, lastly, what kind of savings are, are people going to see both in money and in time? Right. So when we are fully operational, and this won't be for many months from now, we're aiming to resolve disputes between 60 to 90 days. So it'll save people quite a bit of time. Months for sure. Yes, absolutely. So in the meantime, people can use the online intake system. This will help pause their limitation period if they're worried about their claim expiring under the Limitation Act. Uh, and they'll start to be able to take some steps. We won't be able to resolve their dispute right away. we got to go. I'm sorry. But will you come back? Absolutely. We'll get you, you back in a couple of months when you start getting more information and as users start to to, to get in uh, on, on the system. Have a look for yourself, civilresolutionbc.ca. Shannon Salter is the chair of the Civil Resolution Tribunal. Thanks for coming in. My pleasure. Nice Thank to you. see you. For uh, John Meyer and for our technical producer, Mike Given, my name is Ian Power. This is Vancouver Real Estate Today on News Talk 980 CKNW.